Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette, and this is your Locked On Canucks for the day of Thursday, November 14th. Uh, later on this evening, the Vancouver Canucks will be hosting the Dallas Stars at Rogers Arena on Veterans Appreciation Night. So there will be some uh, military salutes over the course of the evening. Not sure if that'll make its way onto the telecast. I would imagine it probably will during some sort of pregame ceremony or during the national anthems at the very least. But uh, there will be uh, a bunch of different uh, military uh, salutes during the, I guess, presentation if you're actually at the game uh, itself, if you're taken off to uh, check out tonight's action, uh, but that is neither here nor there. Let me talk about tonight's action for a little bit, because uh, when I was doing kind of a week ago, when I was asked what to expect from the Canucks record over the course of the rest of the month of November, uh, I had slotted both of these Dallas games, this one and then when they are in Dallas uh, about a week from now uh, on the road, uh, as kind of gimme win nights and that is not actually the case any longer the stars had a rough start to the season certainly but are back on track at the moment they are coming into tonight's action with a 9-8 and 2 record which is you know not all that dissimilar from Vancouver's 10-6 and 3 record Vancouver and Dallas not separated by uh, all that many points in the standings at the moment but uh <laughs> I guess the last time I really checked in on the Stars was a couple weeks back uh, when they were at the bottom or one of the basement-dwelling teams in the Western Conference down there uh, with the, the LA Kings and the Minnesota Wild and the San Jose Sharks. It seemed like those were the teams that were going to be uh, stuck at the bottom, the bottom feeders uh, in this conference over the course of this season. And, I mean, in the case of... Minnesota and Los Angeles, that absolutely is still true and probably will be true for the entirety of the season. In the case of the Dallas Stars and the San Jose Sharks, however, that is not necessarily the case any longer. These are two teams that are on the rise. Dallas certainly much more than San Jose because the Dallas Stars in their last 10 games are 8-1-1. That is the second best record in the entire National Hockey League over their previous 10. They are actually tied with the St. Louis Blues, who are similarly 8-1-1 uh, over that stretch. Uh, the only team better than them is the New York Islanders, who are 9-0-1. Uh, so uh, a spectacular record over the last little while. And when you look at... at at where they were before that, if they are 9-8-1 right now, that means that before this 10 games, they were 1-7-1. Just a brutal start to the season. And somehow they have turned it around, probably because they took some sort of verbal lashing from one of the many gyms in that organization, whether it was uh, Jim Montgomery, who was their coach, or Jim Nill, who was their general manager, or Jim Lights, who was the... <laughs> president of the organization. Of course, it took Jim Lights lashing his stars, uh, giving them a verbal whipping and telling them that they have not been good uh, to start the season or uh, midway through the season, I guess it was, before Dallas went on a tear down the stretch and wound up making the playoffs. They have received a verbal lashing, at least the top stars for the stars uh, in Sagan 
and Ben. Those guys have been uh, rightfully criticized by their coach over the last week, and it is, uh, I guess, been part of the reason why the team has been able to uh, thread some wins together is that they are they're doing very well for themselves right now. Anton Kadobin likely to be the starting goaltender uh, for the Stars when they come into Rogers Arena as Ben Bishop played yesterday. Uh, Kadobin is 3-0-2 in seven career meetings with the Canucks, which I guess means he came in in relief or was chased at some point during those games. But he's done very well against Vancouver over the course of his career, goals against average that is sub-2, 1.95, and a save percentage close to 930, 9-2-9 uh, in those games. So uh, he's, he is a backup but uh, he is a good backup. He is a strong goaltender, and who knows which goalie it's going to be for Vancouver as, you know, Jacob Markstrom continues to uh, kind of receive a, a bit of a mental break in the wake of his father's passing, which rightfully so. No rush back if the team can go without him, and they certainly don't need him right now. Why would you want him to come back before he's uh, required back? Uh, that is certainly fair. Uh, and Thatcher Demko has been outstanding, so uh, I'll check and see right now if there's any sort of report on uh, the lines in practice today. Vancouver had the day off on Wednesday, so there were no practice lines from yesterday to try and glean uh, how this team is going to manage what the forward units are going to look like in the absence of Brandon Sutter, who's been placed on uh, long-term injury reserve, or at least injury reserve uh, uh, that will keep him out of the lineup until at least Saturday's game against Colorado. And if he returns next week, we shall see. It's not expected to be all that serious, uh, at least according to general manager Jim Benning, but at the same time, you never know. It's a lower body injury. That's certainly what I can tell you right now about Brandon Sutter. And the fact that he was able to walk himself, uh, skate himself off the ice and then walk himself back to the bench on his own volition and didn't really show any signs of struggle or, or a limp of any kind as he headed back to the room and kind of slammed his stick against the wall as he was in the tunnel and obviously frustrated that he suffered some kind of injury. The fact that he was moving the way he was moving would indicate that this is not an altogether serious lower body injury, but it is a lower body injury just the same. And uh, let me take a quick peek here if I can give you some sort of uh, preview of what Vancouver's lines will look like this evening. All right, here we go. These are the morning skate lines for Vancouver. Uh, Josh Levo remaining on the top line with Pedersen and Besser, so that trio stays together after, of course, Tuesday's action against Nashville. Second line is staying together as well. It's Pearson, Horvat, and Vertanen, though Bo Horvat did leave practice early. Uh, not exactly clear what happened, but he got shaken up and left the ice. Uh, he will play this evening, uh, got taken care of, got a, you know, shot of some kind to uh, help him manage whatever's going on with him but uh, that is uh, what we are looking at as far as a top six in the bottom six Berchi, Gaudette, and JT Miller. Yes, JT Miller lining up at right wing playing uh, with that third unit of Gaudette and Berchi. So I talked about last week, my uh, or last episode yesterday, I should say, uh, my desire to kind of see JT Miller be uh, used as a depth scoring option during this stretch where the team is short on centers because uh, in the absence of Sutter, in the absence of Jay Beagle, 
you do still have four quality centers on this roster in Pedersen, Horvat, Gaudet, and Miller. If they want to use Miller to try and uh, get that third line going with Gaudet and Berchi as an offensive unit, I think this can actually be a, a pretty solid move, honestly. A pretty solid uh, you know, way to fill that gap, close that gap, and, and create some secondary scoring on this roster as well. Because Berchi and Gaudet, I've said it many times, and it's been evident to anyone who watched them in the preseason, those two guys have chemistry. They have proven chemistry already. I know it's a small sample size, but they do play well together. And if you can get JT Miller in uh, there with them as well, that's only going to increase the offensive potential of that line and uh, get some points going. And, you know, those are two guys in Berchi and Gaudet that were a big part of the team's secondary scoring punch in the preseason. We never got to see that translate to the regular season. And I know the team won, obviously, and had a pretty solid performance, especially out of its top stars and its power play on Tuesday against the Nashville Predators. But still having said that, secondary scoring has been an issue for this team over the last couple weeks here. And uh, and maybe this is a solution, at least in the interim, while you're short some center depth. And uh, JT Miller can help you in this regard, whether he is lined up down the middle or not. He's still being used as a third-line depth option, and I'm sure he will still be an important part of the top unit power play. So uh, if you can keep that power play going and maybe spark a little magic because it's the one time that those top stars are, are reunited and used together on this team, then maybe this is something that can work. Uh, no indication, however, who will be uh, the, the goaltender in question. Actually, Jacob Markstrom was the first goalie off the ice, which is typically an indicator that uh, he will be the one to get the nod against Dallas here tonight. So I was wrong about the Stars being uh, one of the bottom-dwelling teams in the NHL or certainly in the Western Conference. I guess I wasn't wrong at the time, but they are better than they showed through the first month, and there are some out there who would say that the Canucks are probably worse than they showed through the first month as well. Everything balances out. Teams sort of settle into what they are supposed to be as the season goes along, but um, I guess I've been wrong a lot lately as well because my 8-4 and four prediction for the rest of the month of November has not gone well. In fact, everything has been the opposite of what I said so far, which means if that will continue to prove true, then the Canucks are slated to lose tonight's game to Dallas because I said that they would win it. But uh, I don't mind being wrong. And I, it is funny, obviously, that everything fell apart the, immediately after I decided to believe in this team, that uh, that I, I was, you know, done saying that we need to see more, uh, we need to put off uh, uh, making judgments on this before uh, there are more, um, you know, uh, pieces of evidence to support whatever you want to believe about this team, before we have a larger sample size to back up whatever takes you want to have. As soon as I said enough of that, uh, I've seen enough, I think this team is for real, I think this team is different, than they have been over the last several years. And look, they still are different than they have been over the last several years. That is still true. They are fun and exciting to watch. They are a worthwhile investment 
of your time on a night-to-night basis, which has not necessarily been true over the past several years. It is true at the moment. Uh, Look, as soon as I said that, everything went south. And I don't mind being wrong about that. I don't mind being in this push-and-pull relationship It's not uh, with, you know, what I think the team is and what they're going to do. That is part of following a team over the course of a season. I don't have any, you know, sour feelings that I made this prediction, that I finally put my foot down and it all, uh, the ground crumbled underneath me. Part of being a fan, part of, you know, going through the process of watching the team over the course of an entire season. And I know as media, I'm not supposed to say I'm a fan or whatever. Uh, You know, I'm I'm not a fan the way that I was back when I was a kid. I'm not a fan even the way that I was seven years ago. But you're kidding yourself if you go through the process of watching every single game and following the ups and downs of this team on a day-to-day basis if you're not somewhat invested in wanting them to succeed, if you're not somewhat invested in wanting them to be good so that the team that you watch and the team that uh, you cover on a day-to-day basis is actually fun and not punishing as it has been certainly at some points over the last several years. But like watching, going on this roller coaster of what are they? Are they for real? No, they're not. Uh, you know, a rise and fall in terms of your belief in what this team can be. It's not a problem to be wrong about those things. That's part of the process of following a team, and it's part of what makes it fun. You tune in on a night-to-night basis to find out what they are, to find out exactly what this team is made of, what it can do, if it's going to make the playoffs, and if it does, if it can do some damage when it slides in there. Now, I'm not willing to say that the team is even a playoff team right now. I'm not willing to say that the team is, you know, going to, you know, win around if they do make it in. But this is part of the experience of following a team is kind of changing your mind on things and being presented with new information and being willing to invest and then feeling stupid that you invested. You, This is what you sign up for when you watch a team on a night in and night out basis. And honestly, being wrong about things here and there is nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be mad about. I don't have anybody to apologize to. I don't have, uh, you know, to tell you that, uh, oh, I, I really let you down with my analysis because, of course, you're going to be wrong about things like that over the course of an entire season. And I would imagine that there are people out there listening who have gone through the same process of questioning exactly what this team is night in and night out. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some pessimists who just think they stink and that they stunk all along. And every time they lose, every time they drop a game that they should win, you know, they get to pat themselves on the back that I I never believed in anything. That's not fun. That's not that's not why. What are you doing here? If that's the point of uh, you know of just trying to prove yourself right, I guess over the course of a year, it's that defeats the purpose of following a team and being invested and and going along on the ride. It is a ride. It's not always going to be smooth sailing. There will be some choppy waters along the way, like a roller coaster. There are ups and downs. And that's all I have to say about that. And speaking of roller coasters, let's talk about uh, riding Space Mountain. Woo! If you know what I'm saying. Fellas, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always raring to go, those teenage years where uh, (laughs) there were never any problems? Well, uh, you can get back to that and get a little extra confidence in bed as well. Listen up. I'm going to tell you how right now. It's BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they will work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready 
whenever the moment strikes you. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants a little extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. <laughs> They'll not only get you back to the postseason, you might go to round two, three, all the way to round four as well. Now, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. You don't have to come up with a reason to tell your doctor why you need the thing. You can simply have it. They are made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy as well. Right now, we've got a special offer for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo promo code locked on all you have to pay is $5 shipping again that's b l u e chew.com promo code locked on to try it free blue chew is the better cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast couple quick notes before we wrap up and call it a day here. Uh, you may have already heard about this, but yesterday, Roberto Luongo got himself a new job with his old team, the Florida Panthers naming Luongo a special advisor to general manager Dale Talon. Yes, he got that Dwight Schrute uh, job title, I guess. Uh, a special, special assistant to the general manager. Uh, not an assistant general manager. <laughs> But, um, you know, good good for Luongo getting the job and staying in hockey and, and, you know, being around the team still, as I'm sure a lot of guys find that, you know, going cold turkey and breaking away from hockey when it's been your life for the better part of, you know, two and a half decades is an insanely difficult thing to do. So I'm sure this is nice for him. But, of course, in Vancouver, people are pulling their hair out in frustration because it smells a little fishy, doesn't it? The fact that uh, Luongo retires to get his contract off the books and help the Panthers out with their, I guess, monetary situation because it wasn't going to affect their cap one way or another if he retired or not. He's going to be on long-term injury reserve. Uh, either way, it, it you know they would have had to pay him still, however, and they didn't want to do that because they are a small market, small money team that uh, wants to cut corners on salary wherever they can. And of course, when you're paying Sergei Bobrovsky $10 million a season, you need to uh, free up some money to help yourself uh, do that more comfortably. So, uh, you know, it's a little wink-wink, nudge-nudge uh, arrangement, I guess. Luongo now a special advisor after Talon perhaps specially advised Roberto that uh, if you just retire, don't worry. Like, you'll still, we'll still find a way to get you that money. You'll still get paid it uh, over the long haul, perhaps, as we give you this, uh, you know, just meaningless title and a, and a job that ultimately doesn't amount to very much. You can still just hang out at home and, and be a family man and enjoy the retired life and every now and then maybe phone me and tell me what you think about some players or tell me what you think about what. Like, there's no concrete description of what he will be doing. He's just going to be taking money from the Florida Panthers. And, hey, more power to him for doing that. But when the Canucks are on the hook for a cap recapture penalty as a result of his retirement, it rubs a good many people here uh, the wrong way. And, and rightfully so, because this whole cap, cap recapture thing has been a complete and utter farce. It's been enforced on just about no one else in the entire NHL. Uh, you can uh, avoid it if, uh, you know, if, you know, a retirement or whatever is in, in keeping with good faith and in, in trying to maintain the rules. There's all sorts of things and exceptions that the league has made for these exact situations 
when they have, you know, very briefly popped up for other teams of the course of the last however many years, they have been completely unwilling to do anything like that for Vancouver, despite the fact that Luongo's contract was entirely legal at the time that he signed it, and plenty of other teams were signing deals exactly like it. So, uh, you know, it's just another case of the league screwing Vancouver, and I know that sounds like an absurd little uh, conspiracy theory that we're always saying, woe is me, chicken little, sky is falling, whatever you want to say it, but when you look at the the evidence over the years, it certainly does point to the idea that uh, somebody in the league office does not particularly uh, like what's going on here with the Canucks, and it doesn't even matter. Uh, it's not even a case of them being like uh, upset with the Aquilinis. It doesn't matter who the owner of this team has been. They always find way to get screwed by the league office. One last note before we call it a day. Remember Jason Garrison? He was one of the first key signings for the uh, Linden and Benning regime as they went out and grabbed him in their first free agency, the, one of their first free agent splashes in their initial summer here, running this team way back in 2013. Uh, he's in the news for uh, less than stellar reasons. I guess that has nothing to do with him, but just that he got taken for a ride by his investment firm, unfortunately. This is from a CBC article uh, written by Andrea Ross that came out uh, late last night. And uh, it says that uh, when Garrison was 28 years old and signed to a nearly $28 million U.S. contract with the Vancouver Canucks, he hired Richard Jones from the RJ Financial Group, a Vancouver-based insurance and wealth management firm whose clients include professional athletes, dentists, and doctors. According to a statement of claim filed last month, the hockey player wanted Jones's help to manage his money. He had little experience with financial planning, but did not want to take any risks with his money and intended to live off of his savings over the long term. As, of course, I believe any of us, if given $28 million over a six-year period, could take that money and live off of it for the rest of our lives. Uh, this is me editorializing. Back to the article. However, in the years that followed, the court documents allege that Jones sold Garrison several large insurance policies and contracts, including three life insurance policies worth over $10 million each. The notice of civil claim maintains Jones told Garrison his recommendations would result in almost $44 million in capital after 10 years. I don't personally understand that at all. Uh, I don't know how anyone views a life insurance policy as an investment that's going to pay off for them unless they're planning on killing whoever it was to <laughs> take it out against. Maybe that's just the fact that I have seen way too many episodes of Forensic Files, but uh, life insurance is always a sign that... <laughs> that uh, the if you take it out, whoever you're taking it out on is probably going to wind up dead within the next couple months. It is always a precursor to murder, at least in the United States. So I don't understand how uh, anybody could view that as an investment opportunity. It really does seem like Garrison was just, like, bilked out of his money, especially when those policies, the three of them together, combined to be worth more than the entirety of the contract that he signed with the Canucks. So uh, we'll keep an eye on how this plays out in the courts, but um, utterly bizarre that uh, that he has nothing to show for all of the years that he put in in the NHL. It, it seems like he really got to taken for a ride by his financial advisors. Speaking of advisors, sometimes they do not always pan out. And that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a brief one, obviously, just teeing up tonight's action. Enjoy the game tonight. Puck drop shortly after 7 o'clock. You can catch it on Sportsnet and, of course, 
listen to it on Sportsnet 650. You might even hear my name towards the end of the broadcast as I am the studio producer for Canucks Broadcasts, home games anyways, on the old 6.50 a.m. dial uh, until tomorrow when I'm back to break down tonight's game against the Stars, which hopefully will be a win, but I you know, have been wrong about everything so far on this month of November uh, <laughs> in terms of teams I thought they would beat and teams I thought they would lose to. I think they should beat the Stars, which means they're probably going to lose tonight. But at the same time, Dallas coming off of a back-to-back, Dallas dressing their Backup goalie, as I mentioned earlier, there's plenty of reason to believe that the Canucks can keep it rolling as they head into Saturday's game against the Colorado Avalanche, a game that is very notable for being the first of the hashtag free the skate nights at Rogers Arena, the black skate jersey coming out of the closet. It's going to look fantastic as the guys don it to take on the Avs on Saturday night. I'll be back tomorrow to break down tonight's action. And of course, uh, you'll be hearing from me in advance and after Saturday's contest against the Colorado Avalanche as well. Until then, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette, and you're locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.